A month ago, Time magazine came out with a stunning prediction about our nation, and I need to share it with you. It's an op-ed piece written by Ian Bremer, titled, The Era of American Global Leadership is Over, Here's What Comes Next. Now look, I realize we're a campus of uh, almost a hundred nations here. But this is about all of us, as you're about to hear. He opens up a month ago predicting what happened yesterday. That would be the inauguration. And so he writes it a month in advance. As in the past, the day will be cold. Well, he got that part right. January 20 is always cold. Melania will hold the Bible. She actually held two Bibles, Abraham Lincoln's Bible and a Bible given to Donald Trump by his mother when he was a child. The kids will stand by proudly. You saw them. The new president will recite his lines carefully, smile broadly, and change history. Now, here we go. And American international leadership, a constant since 1945, will end with the presidential inauguration of Donald J. Trump on January 20, 2017, yesterday. That's not because Trump is bound to fail where his predecessors have succeeded. Oh, no, the editorial goes on. Three pages worth. Observing that there is a latent populism across the face of this earth, and he checks off the major nations one by one. Populism meaning raw power going back to the people. A new leadership vacuum. He's making the case. In fact, he calls it a world without strong leadership, a new G0 era. You've heard of the G7 nations, the seven most powerful nations on earth, and they have the G8 and they have the G20. He's calling this G0 now. Now, this is his line on the screen. I want you to see it. The reality is that there is no emerging power ready, willing, and able to take the leadership role the U.S. will no longer play, end quote. Now, look, I happen to believe that there is actually a rapidly emerging power that will step into this vacuum on its own, but that is neither the point of his editorial nor this sermon. Ian Bremer goes on to describe the world as we live in it right now. Look at these words. They'll be in your study guide. You'll be able to take them home. On the screen, the international order itself is unraveling right now. In the past eight years alone, the world has seen the worst financial crisis in decades, a global recession, a historic debt crisis in the Eurozone, a wave of unrest across North Africa and the Middle East, civil war in Syria, a migrant crisis that calls into question the future of Europe's open borders, war between Russia and the Ukraine, Brexit. An explosion of cyber aggression and the election as U.S. president of one Donald Trump. Call it geopolitical creative destruction or just the sound of things falling apart. But the grinding of G-Zero gears has become too loud to ignore. Wow. Another writer, also an American, made a most prescient prediction herself. I'll put her, I'll put her words on the screen. The present, (laughs) ominously, this sounds like today. The present is a time of overwhelming interest to all living. Rulers and statesmen, men who occupy positions of trust and authority, thinking men and women of all classes have their attention fixed upon the events taking place around us. 
They are watching the strained, restless relations that exist among the nations. They observe the intensity that is taking possession of every earthly element, and they recognize that something great and decisive is about to take place, that the world is on the verge of a stupendous crisis, end quote. You and I can find a dozen talking heads who would bob their heads right now on the verge of a stupendous crisis. No kidding. But of course. But there's more to this particular prediction. Sentence back up on the screen. Angels are now restraining the winds of strife that they, might, that they may not blow until the world shall be warned of its coming doom. But a storm, there's that word again. But a storm, but a storm is gathering, ready to burst upon the earth. And when God shall bid his angels loose the winds, there will be such a scene of strife as no pen can picture. End quote. Storm. Finding Jesus in the gathering dark. A new series for a new year in the Pioneer Pulpit. And that website, www.newperceptions.tv, that's where you'll find the storm every single week in the study guide in a moment. Because the only good storm, the only good storm is the storm you're ready for. Question, are you ready for the storm? Jesus asked the question in, in peculiar words. Actually, he, asked, he raises the question. But I wonder, if he were here today, would he ask the same question with these peculiar words? Open your Bible with me to the Gospel of Luke, chapter 18. Luke, chapter 18. What are you talking about, Jesus? Luke, chapter 18. I'm in the NIV. You didn't bring a Bible? Grab the pew Bible in front of you. It's page 706 in your pew Bible, Luke 18, verse 8. Go to the very last line of verse 8, the very last line of verse 8. Do you see it there? Bright red letters in mind, Jesus speaking. When the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? Now grab your study guide because that's in your study guide. It's the first blank to fill. Will he find faith on the earth? Did you not get a study guide? Hold your hand up. We got some friendly ushers here who will come your way. If you didn't get a study guide, you'll want this particular string. Of, of text. Hold your hand up and we'll get that to you. Jot it down. When the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? You got to admit, it's a rather probing question. When I return, Jesus asks us, when I return, when I return to the storm generation, the end game generation, am I going to find faith among you? Is it a rhetorical question? Does he mean the answer is, but of course you will? Or does he mean the answer is, no, of course I'm not going to? What's the answer? When I come back, will I find faith on this earth? You say, Dry, what's the big deal about this faith thing as far as an end game storm? You want to see what the big deal about this is? Let me run them by you now. A whole string of these. Keep your hand moving. We go. 1 John chapter 5, verse 4. Here's a text that you haven't read in a long time. I've never preached from it. 1 John chapter 5, verse 4. Take a look at this. Just before the book of Revelation. There they are. 1, 2, 3, John and Jude. 1 John chapter 5, verse 4. For everyone born of God overcomes the world. Now, here comes the line. This is the victory that has overcome the world, even our faith. Write that in. Even our faith. What's the big deal about faith? What's the big deal about this endgame storm and faith? Ah, faith is the determining. It is the deciding, defining factor between victory and defeat, between life and death. You remember the old gospel hymn? Faith is the victory. Faith is the victory. Oh, glorious 
victory that overcomes the world. Oh, gospel hymn. It's the truth. Faith, we just read it. Faith is a victory. When the storm strikes, faith clearly is the demarcation between overcoming and being overcome. Right there. So how do we get this faith? Next text. Look it up. John 16, verse 23. Thank you, Elizabeth, for reading that text in your mother tongue. Powerfully done, I think. <laughs> beautifully done. That's how we can put it that way. It's beautifully done. She just read John 16. These are the last words of Jesus before he prays the great prayer of John 17 to his father. The last words. Here they are. This is John 16, 33. Jesus, red letters again. I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble. But take heart. I like it in the New King James. But cheer up. Be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. Hey, listen, guys, figure this out with, with me. We, we're only three weeks into this new year, and already some of us are going through big trouble. We're talking about trouble with a capital T. So I'm in chapel. I'm in chapel on Thursday, and one of the co-eds comes up to me and she says, oh, Pastor, you're not going to believe what a friend of mine is going through. And she begins to list all that has happened in this new year already. Oh, my. Jesus says, hey, you going through trouble right now? Be of good cheer. Take heart. I have, I have overcome the world. I have overcome the Lord of trouble. So child, my friend, he whispers in your heart right now, don't be afraid. I am with you. And I have won. Oh, by the way, I would say rather radical Radical faith. This is the night before his crucifixion. And he's already declaring he's won. I have overcome this world. Unshakable faith. Where do we get this kind of faith from? Obviously, it's from Jesus. Did Jesus live with this faith? Are you kidding? I want, to, I want you to go to a passage you never thought was Jesus talking, but this is actually quoting Jesus when he was here. And you will not find these words in the Gospels. Go, go to the book of Hebrews. Book of Hebrews, chapter 2. This is something else. We get an insight into the mind of the Word made flesh as in no other place. Hebrews chapter 2. Hebrews chapter 2. Let's begin in verse 10. Hebrews chapter 2, verse 10. In bringing many sons and daughters to glory, it was fitting that God, for whom and through whom everything exists, should make the pioneer of their salvation. Ladies and gentlemen, who is the pioneer of our salvation? Who's the pioneer? That's the Lord Jesus Christ. This is the Pioneer Memorial Church. That's the Lord Jesus Christ. He, he would make, how does it read here? The pioneer of our salvation perfect through what he suffered. Now, those of you going through capital T trouble right now, three weeks into the new year, and you're already in trouble, I have good news for you. That's the path of God. There is no way we will get out of this life without going through trouble. It's just like it is in athletics. No pain, no gain. What do they say when you bulk up? No pain, no gain. Going through trouble right now? I have overcome the world. Jesus says, listen, been there and done that when it comes to trouble. I know all about it. Stay with me. Stay with me. 
All right, but I digress. Verse 11, but both the one who makes people holy, that's the Lord Jesus, and those who are made holy are of the same family. So Jesus is not ashamed to call them. He's not ashamed to call us brothers and sisters. He says, now here, here is the quoting the mind of Christ. He says, verse 12, I will declare your name, O God, to my brothers and sisters in the assembly. I will sing your praises. And now here it comes. And again, quoting his mind, I will put my trust in him. I will put my trust in him. Would you jot that down, please? I will put my trust in him. I will put my trust in God. Those are the words of Christ. And that is precisely how the faith of Jesus manifested itself when Jesus was here. I mean, look at Lucifer suddenly materializes in an explosion of light, purporting to be an angel of light, emaciated Christ, 40 days of fasting, and he looks down at that emaciated specimen of humanity, and he says, yo, you daddy's boy, city stones here, turn them to bread. Ladies and gentlemen, all three of, of that massive and aggressive onslaught of temptation, all three of the temptations, Jesus responds the same way. You know how he responds? What you just read. I will put my trust in him. No, I'm not going to do it. Ah, come on here. Throw yourself out the temple. See what God will do. I will put my trust in him. I will not do it. Come on, bow down to me. I'll give you, I'll give you the whole planet and no Calvary. I will put my trust in him. Three times, mortal combat. And how does he respond? I will put my trust in him. We're talking radical, unshakable faith. And guess what? Hold on to your pew now. Because this is precisely the kind of faith he gives to you. The same. You don't believe it? I'll show it to you. Next text in this chain. Here we go. Revelation chapter 14, verse 12. You may have read these words before. Revelation chapter 14. Go back to the end of your Bible. Revelation chapter 14, verse 12. Here's that line. Here. Speaking of this storm generation, the end game generation, here is the patience of the saints. Here are those who keep the commandments of God and the word keep is understood because it's continuing. Those who keep the commandments of God and keep the faith of Jesus. Would you jot that down? Here are they who keep the commandments of God and keep the faith of Jesus. There will be a generation in earth's last storm that will hold on. Keep the faith, baby that will hold on to the faith of Jesus, no matter what. Isn't that amazing? I mean, think about this. Wow. And because they cling to that faith, guess what? Because they cling to the faith, the faith of Jesus, guess what they get? They get the victory of Jesus. Do you know that? Come on, I'm telling you the, I'm telling you the gospel truth. Next text, look at it. 1 Corinthians chapter 5, 15 rather. Boy, these are the words you read at a, in, a, in a, a funeral homily or at a graveside. This is, this is such powerful stuff. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Paul, this exclamation of his, this, is, this would be verse, 30, verse 57 rather. 1 Corinthians 15, 57. But thanks, come on, thanks be to God. He gives us the victory through, write that word down, through our Lord Jesus Christ. Can you believe that? Astounding. First, the Bible establishes that our faith must come from Christ, 
It's his faith. And now the Bible declares that our victory will come through Christ. It's his victory. Showing once again that when it comes to salvation, from stem to stern, from A to Z, from alpha to omega, because I am the alpha and the omega and all the letters in between, it's the Greek alphabet. It's all about Jesus. The faith of Jesus is what gives us the victory of Jesus. Wow. No wonder the greatest Christian who ever lived made, wrote this testimony down, and I hope you memorize it. I hope you, you probably already have it memorized. Galatians chapter 2, verse 20. I like it in the King James, and so go to your study guide because it's in the King James right there. Paul, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ lives in me. Where is Christ? Where is Christ for the disciple, the follower? He's in me. He's in me. Christ lives in me. Now, keep going. And the life which I now live in the flesh, in my humanity, I live by the faith. Write that down. I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. You see, the faith of Jesus is something you can have. It's not something that you are. It's not your faith. It's not my faith. I live by the faith of Jesus who loved me and gave himself for me. It's his faith. It's his faith takes all the worry out of wondering, will I be saved or not? No, 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 no. It's not your faith that saves you. It's his faith. I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Wow. It is the faith of Jesus that makes all the difference in the world. Not your faith, not my faith, because the faith of Jesus brings the victory of Jesus. Amen. One more text, one more text in the string. This is it. Revelation 3, you got to go back. I want you to see this in your Bible. Revelation 3, to, a, to an end time generation, this would be the storm generation. This is the end game generation because this is Laodicea. You may have heard that name before. This is a promise to Laodicea, the end game people, which you and I, by the grace of God, long to be a part of, right? Okay, so Revelation chapter 3, red letters again. Boy, the red letters are not just in the gospel. You got them all over the opening to the apocalypse because it's the revelation of Jesus. So he's doing a lot of speaking as he should. Drop down to verse 21. Fill this in even as we read it. To the one who overcomes, I will give the right to sit with me on my throne. Now, key words now. Just as... Just as I overcame and sat down with my father on his throne. The root root word for overcome and victory, it's all the same Greek word. It's all the same. Overcome, victory, conquer, it's all the same. So that's why the NIV renders this. I'll put the NIV on the screen for you. To the one who is victorious, I will give the right to sit with me on my throne just as I was victorious and sat down with my father on his throne. Just as I was victorious, just as I overcame. And how did Jesus overcome? How did he overcome? His faith. I will put my trust in him. Radical faith. Unshakable faith. And that's the faith, he says. I will give it to you. Because when you have the faith of Jesus, you have the victory of Jesus. Put that on the screen for us. When you have the faith of Jesus, you have the victory of Jesus. Faith is the victory. Isn't that the song? Faith is the victory. The victory is not me swashbuckling my way through life. The victory is his faith. He won. 
And I put my hands out and I say, Amen, Jesus, give me that faith. Boom. His victory becomes my victory. For an end time storm generation, I make one more promise to, sh- to her who overcomes, to him who overcomes and has the faith of Jesus. You will sit on the throne with me like I sit on the throne with the Father. It doesn't get any better than that. So the question that begs to be asked right now is, yo, Dwight, hey, how do I have this? How can I live the faith of Jesus? You know, that's a very critical question. I'm glad you asked it. Because remember, we opened up with Jesus' rather sobering announcement. When When the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? There is a possibility, apparently, that vast swaths of people will be faithless when he returns. I don't want to be in that group. No. I'm going to leave one line with you from a classic on the parables of Jesus called Christ's Object Lessons. This line will tell you how you will get the faith of Jesus and you will have it for the rest of your life. One line, page 149. I'll even give you the page number. Christ Object Lessons, page 149. Fill it in, please. All that Christ received from God, we too may have. Did you catch that? All that he received from God, we too may have. Then ask and receive. With the persevering faith of Jacob, midnight assailant, sweaty torso, he's hanging on. He now knows he has God in his arms, and he cries out, I, am, I will not let you go unless you bless me. With the persevering faith of, G- of Jacob, with the unyielding persistence of Elijah, who prayed not once after Mount Carmel. He's nuked, God has nuked the summit of Mount Carmel. But Elijah said, I got to have more. I got to have rain. We have to have rain. He prays not once. He prays not twice. He prays not three times. He prays not four times. He prays not five times. He prays not six times. Seven times, he says, God have mercy on me. Make me an unobstructed channel for you to be released to give us rain. With the un... How does it go here? With the unyielding persistence of Elijah. Oh, I love this. Claim for yourself all that God has promised. Now, I've had an extra 48 hours to brood over this quotation. You haven't. So I'm going to help you out. I'm going to speed up your brooding right now. I want you to circle some words. Circle the words that I draw to your attention. Circle the first all. Would you please? All. All that Christ received from God. Hey, what did did Jesus receive from God? All. I mean, give me some alls. What are some alls? He, he, the spirit of joy. Didn't you receive that from God? The spirit of joy. How about the spirit of obedience? Did he, did he receive from God the spirit of obedience? How about the spirit of holiness? Was he, was he wholly devoted to God? But of course. How about faith? Did Jesus receive faith from God? Of course he did. All that Christ received, you and I can have. The faith of Jesus? Yep. So circle the all. And then would you circle the word ask? Then ask. James chapter 4 says, you don't have because you don't ask. That's half our problem. We got it convinced up here, we just don't ask. We think God's going to just bring it on a silver platter. I'm not going to force you. You have free choice. Ask me and I'll give it to you. Then ask. Circle another word. Circle the word claim. Oh, I like that one. Claim for yourself. All, circle the last all. All that God has promised. Oh, wow. 
Do you remember this great law of the universe we've been learning over the last few months together? It goes like this. See if, you, see, if it, see, if it, see if it gets completed in your mind. When the omnipotent God speaks a word, the moment he speaks the word, the word does what? It creates the reality it describes. So that when God says, let there be light, in less than half a nanosecond, there was light. And wouldn't you know it, I had a mathematician in first service sitting there listening. And you know what he did? He gave me his, he gave me his card and he said, listen, Dwight, I've calculated just how long a half a nanosecond is with all the formula on it. It's very intimidating to preach in this congregation, I'm just telling you. You can't say nothing about nothing and somebody's got a PhD in it. <laughs> or they're doing an honors project on it and they know more than the professor is. They do in those cases. Half a nanosecond. In half a nanosecond. Light. So what if God did this? He said, Dwight, I love that. I love that. Let there be light, there's light. What if God said to you, let there be faith in your life? Would you say amen to that if he said it to you? Of course I would. If you say, God, if you say to me, let there be faith, I will say amen and I'll take it right now in half a nanosecond. Guess what? God says it for you. I'll put it on the screen. Don't you lose that study guide. Romans 12, verse 3. God has granted to everyone a measure of faith. The most pagan of pagans on the planet today, of those 7 billion, the most pagan of pagans has a seed of faith already in her, already in him. Everybody's been granted a measure of faith. Now, it's true, guys. You don't get faithfully grown. No. No, no, no pain, no gain. Come on. You ever work out? Most of you have not worked out. I can just see that by looking at you. It's okay. I haven't either. But the deal is, faith can come. You get this little, this little mustard seed of faith. But if, just like a muscle, if you begin to exercise that faith... The muscle that exercises the faith. The faith in the faith of Jesus. You exercise that muscle. That muscle begins to grow. Your faith begins to grow. I've given to everybody on this planet, God says, a measure of faith. And now one more. You want Jesus to tell it to you plain? Come on, Jesus. Say, let there be faith in me. And I'll, I will say, I'm into it and I'll receive it. Here it goes. Mark 11, 22. Come on. Jesus says, red letters, have faith in God. You want faith? Jesus says to you, have faith. You may have it. Let there be faith. And in half a nanosecond, however you calculate that, you got it. You see what's going on here? God has made everything available to you in the universe. All that Christ received from God, we may also have. He said, Dwight, I, 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 want, I want miracle working power. Don't be, don't be playing games with me, boy. Are you serious about that? Yeah, I want miracle working power. I want to tell you something. Listen, listen, to, listen carefully. If you are sincere about miracle working power and you are living as Jesus lives, I place my trust in him. Then you will receive miracle working power um, at the moment you need that miracle, not a second before and not a second later. 
Because if it's, if it's for, yo guys, watch me do this. That's exactly what Lucifer was up to in the wilderness. Let's watch you, daddy's boy. Let's see you do it. No. If you're living, I, place my, I put my trust in him. When you need a miracle, you will get a miracle. Don't you tell God when to jump to and when not to. You just trust him. I place my trust in him. Desire of Ages, page 143. Every miracle Christ performed was by the power of God through the angels. He didn't do a one. He, it was not in him. He didn't have hot fingers. He said, ooh, what was that? It was not in him. He came to live as exactly as you and I lived. There's nothing in me either. I will place my, I will put my trust in him. That's how the power came. He said, Dwight, I'd like to have the power of discerning, uh, discerning what a man is thinking right now. I want to know what that woman is thinking right now, looking in her eyes. I need to know. If you're serious about that, no, seriously. If you're serious, because it will glorify God for you to know then just like Peter, when Ananias and Sapphira stand in front of him, he reads their minds and he says, you're lying. Who told him that? The third person of the Godhead. All that Christ receives from God, we too may have. How about self-control and purity? Would you like self-control and purity? Please. The faith of Jesus. When you get the faith of Jesus, you get all these gifts. What the faith of Jesus, looks, here's how it operates. Jesus has a beautiful woman. She's beautiful. She's pouring perfume all over his feet. She's kissing his feet. She's weeping over his feet. There is no arousal taking place sexually. I put my trust in him. Instead, he sees a sinner hungry for God, and he responds just like that. You don't have to worry. Whatever you need, the faith of Jesus is yours. And when you need it, you will have it. Yeah. Wow. Wow. What's the big deal? Here's the big deal. We are on the verge of a stupendous crisis. You don't have to believe me. You don't have to believe me at all. You got a bright mind. Figure it out. We are on the verge of a stupendous crisis. And in all candor, you can believe me here, I worry for God's people. I'm worried that somehow we'll just blow this off. It's not a big deal. We'll get over it. We're not going to get over this one. A storm is coming, the likes of which the earth has never seen. Question, are you ready for that storm? No, seriously, are you ready for that storm? Are we here on this campus? Are we ready for that storm? The only way you and I will be ready, I repeat, is if we have the faith of Jesus. It's a gift. 
It is a gift of Jesus to us. And so this, this sermon ends with a plea. It, it ends with a heartfelt invitation. Won't you please begin asking for the faith of Jesus? You have enough Bible text to which you can say, Amen. Let it be so. And I believe, and I stand before you to declare I believe that when you ask this gift, you will receive. All that Christ received from God, we may have. Take out your connect card, would you please? Yes, we're glad to have you. Fill out the front of the card with, with as much information as you think is pertinent. But, but you turn the card over. What do we do now? What do we do with this faith of Jesus business? My next step today is first box. You see it there, my next step today? I join my Savior in his prayer. I will put my trust in him. So here's the deal. You got a place where you have your worship every morning? Get a little card, a little three by five, or just tear a piece of paper and write the words, I will put my trust in him. It's Hebrews 2.13. Tape that on the wall where you have your worship every day. Look at that. It's just, it's just making your prayer. I will put my trust in him. Box number two, I want to declare amen each day to God's promise for the faith of Jesus and for the victory of Jesus. God, he's promised Keep the faith of Jesus. I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. God, I want to live by that faith. Today, today and today and today, the faith of Jesus. You write that, put that on your wall as well. I put box number three in because there may be somebody here who's saying, that was, a, that was a beautiful baptism, those three young men. I want to be baptized too. I want to give my life to my Savior. If you've never been baptized before, I want to invite you to think this is the year why not this year? Make the decision. Why not this year? Ask for the faith of Jesus that comes in the walk with Jesus. Put a check mark there, but make sure we have an, e an email on the front. Hey, we'll be in touch with you. There's no rush. We're not going to, unless you say, hey, I need to be baptized right now. We'll work with you. Put an email on the front of that card when you turn this in. We'll be in touch. You will never regret making that decision at the beginning of this new year. Never, never, never. And finally, I wish to join in collective prayer for Jesus at our house of prayer Wednesday, 7 p.m. We'll be here Wednesday night. We're putting no, past, no posters up on campus. No big hype, no big push. If you would like to come and pray, because when you're dead on the track and there is no power and a storm's coming, trouble. Collectively, I invite you to come. We pray together. We ask God, please, turn on the power for us. Deacons, would you stand, please? I want to pray. Ushers who receive our Connect cards, would you mind standing right now? And I want to pray. Oh, God, that's it. The faith of Jesus. An endgame generation, the storm generation will keep the faith of Jesus. Grant that everyone watching on live streaming, everyone here, that all of us, that in this New Year moment, will send the prayer to heaven today and today and today until Jesus comes. I will put my trust in you. Grant us his faith. The battle 
on multiple fronts in our hearts. But the faith of Jesus is the one gift that brings the victory of Jesus. So grant us his faith that we pray in his name. Amen. Amen. While the ushers are receiving these cards, just turn your card upside down and put it in the plate as it comes by. There's this beautiful old gospel hymn. We're going to just plunge right into it. I know not. Yeah. Let's go. Please, the chorus. But I know. to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you before his glorious presence without fault and with great joy. To the only God our Savior be glory, majesty, power, and authority through Jesus Christ our Lord before all ages, now, and forevermore. Amen. Amen.